I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jardin's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by Bradley Delamar, the entrepreneur, investor, mentor, and CEO to Tank Stream Labs, one of Australia's largest incubator and co-working communities for early stage, high growth technology companies. Thanks for joining me today, Brad. Fantastic. Hello, Elise, and uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's actually, it's great to be able to talk to a different audience. I mean, I normally talk to, uh, you know, the startup and technology communities. Uh, so it's actually actually nice to, for a change to talk to a different type of audience. Likewise with you, Brad, we're excited to hear what's happening in that VC space. So for those perhaps not familiar with Tankstream Labs or yourself, can you give us a bit of background? Sure. Okay, no problem. So as, as you mentioned earlier, we are uh, an incubator and, and co-working community uh, based in Sydney in Australia. We were a community started by entrepreneurs. And so what that means is we provide facilities, offices, space, and resources, education, access to networks, to corporates, to governments, and and also to funding and finance. Basically, anything you can think of to help a startup or an early stage businesses grow and scale. So we provide those facilities and services and resources. Now, in terms of Tankstream Labs itself, we first started back in 2012. So we were one of the very first, I would say, co-working or, or technology startup focused communities in that early stage startup scene here in Australia. And over that time and, and our journey, we've been home to over 700 early stage technology companies from all different te- uh, sectors, industries. Uh, we, we don't focus on any particular industry. We're very industry agnostic, but we, you know we focus in the technology sector. So all the businesses have to have some kind of technology component to them. So as I mentioned, we've had lots of companies and over that time, the companies collectively as part of Tankstream Labs have raised over half a billion dollars in funding through Seed, Series A, Angel, VC funding, etc. And, you know, we've had some really good success stories coming out of there. So just to name a few uh, Australian companies, we've we've had the likes of like Airtasker, uh, Expert360, and probably for your audience as well, we've had lots of fintech businesses. So the likes of like Doe, Judo Bank, Stockspot, Plenty, Equitize, uh, so lots of lots of businesses over that time. We've also been a base for international businesses that want to set up subsidiaries here in Australia. So we've been very active in that front. So we've had companies like BuzzFeed, GoDaddy, SurveyMonkey, Box, uh, you know, all reside with us and, and, you know, utilize our services. We've also been home to many accelerator programs as well. So accelerators focusing on different industries for like uh, H2 Ventures, which, which was in the fintech space, to you know, female-focused accelerator programs like Tech Ready Women, SBE Australia. And more recently, we were home to and work with the, the guys at Antler, which is a, a very large international accelerator program. So yeah, that gives an overview as to who we are, what we do, and, and really the type of companies that we work with. I really love hearing that and just highlights what we're seeing increasingly so in Australia and that VC land and it being a really growing active space with a lot of uh, high growing tech companies to invest in. So tapping into that, I'm keen to build out into what the industry is looking at. What are you starting to see in that startup land and what are some of those particular trends you're seeing in investments? Yeah, sure. I mean, the the innovation space now is probably very different to when we very first started ten years ago. And you know what we what we're seeing now is is this whole wave of six, successful technology companies which have started over the last ten years, but are really you know growing and accelerating. So you know you, you've got your big names, you know the likes of your Elasia and your Canvas, your Afterpay, your Zero. You know they, they've those 
successful stories, you know, have, have happened over the last, you know, 10 or so years. But what we are seeing now, and that is some, some real trends in some sectors, you know, like fintech, obviously, is such a significant sector in the tech startup world here in, especially in Sydney, but in Australia, other areas where Australia are globally strong or, or world leaders in those sectors, such as healthcare, uh, agriculture, property. So we're seeing, you know, lots of technology developments and, and businesses starting in in those particular sectors. On top of that, what you're seeing as well is lots of universities now really focusing on early stage technology development. So you're getting lots of great R&D coming through universities, which are now, you know, ready or, or starting to be commercialized. And universities are really starting their own accelerators and programs as well, which is fantastic to see. And I would say finally as well, the investment side, because, you know, it's okay having these great ideas and these, you know, these great products and services, but if they can't get access to funding or capital, then they're not going to go anywhere. And so what we are seeing now is a huge focus in this sector from various investors. Uh, You're starting to see lots of uh, new VC funds coming in. You're starting to see existing VC funds raising much bigger funds. You're starting to even see international players come into the local Australia market because there's some great opportunities here from an investment perspective. So you're seeing that whole growth in the investment side as well, which is really encouraging because, you know, that's probably why the Australia startup scene is very, is, is seen to be quite successful at the moment because there's lots of funding opportunities for the, those early stage businesses. So what else we're seeing in this sector is COVID's had a massive impact recently. And so you're starting to see businesses accelerate their digital processes. You're also starting to see businesses investing in technology to save costs and to, to improve their financial positions. You're seeing lots of investment coming in from government, so such as the R&D tax scheme, but also state government. There's you know, innovation grants and incentives in place there, which is really helping early stage businesses. And then wider than that, you know, the, the Australia tech industry is the third biggest industry in Australia behind banking and mining. And at the moment, it contributes to about 167 billion of GDP, which is roughly equates to about eight and a half percent of the Australia's GDP. But by 2031, it's actually forecast to be at 244 billion. So there's a huge opportunity of growth in, in this sector. And a recent report, which was actually released this week by a VC fund, was actually outlining the growth there's been in this industry. And if what, what it was doing, was looking at companies, Australian tech companies with a valuation of over over 100 million. And it was looking at the last two decades. And between 1990 and the year 2000, there was only a handful of tech companies over that value, the likes of like REA, Seek, WiseTech, you know, there was less than 10. And then if you fast forward that to the next decade, between 2000 and 2010, you had over 20 companies, but there, there was, you know, double growth there. And you, you, you got the companies like Atlassian, Tyro, Finder, Campaign Monitor. So some really big, big, well-known companies there. But if you look at the last 10 years, there's been a huge growth. And the number of companies which are valued over 100 million in the tech sector alone is over 100. And so you've got that huge growth in that 10 years. So imagine what the next 10 years would look like. So there's a great opportunity for investors to actually start thinking about earlier, higher risk investment investments because if you've seen a growth over the last 20 years imagine what that looks like over the next 20 years fantastic that's what i like to hear and let's move on to some of those success stories so why is it important yeah. for investors to think about that higher risk in those early stage business and perhaps you can also share with that um, some of the stories that you've seen and the businesses that you've worked with that have turned out to be success stories 
Yeah, I would say I personally have seen so many success stories over that time. And there's, there's, there's been some really good examples of how and why. But I think ultimately, you know, it's, it comes down to the execution of that business, you know, to actually execute the product or service that's been developed is really fundamental to, to those successes. And so, you know, I've worked with uh, quite a few, just to talk, mention a few. So Airtasker, which recently listed, actually, that was one of our very first companies that started at Tankstream Labs. You know, it started from a, a two-person team to now an ASX-listed company in less than seven years. And the success there was that the company grew steady. It grew by key partnerships, uh, expanded overseas, and it raised capital at the points, but also intelligent capital at the points that it needed to, to grow and expand. Another one quite recently that we, we work with is a company called Doe, which listed on the ASX. Now that probably listed it slightly earlier than most businesses would expect to list on the ASX, but that was a sign of the ambition of the company to grow quickly. And so, you know, as a result, it signed a massive agreement with MasterCard. It partnered with a Australian bank and it targeted the US market first before even moving into the Australia market due to the, the size of and opportunity of the US market. So that, that just shows, you know, the ambition as to why that listed on the ASEC from, you know, very early stages. Yeah, fantastic. There are some large companies, which as you say, you, you were there from the early journey onwards. Perhaps we can move on to talking about some of the valuations. So in your experience of investing in these early stage companies and working closely with hundreds over the years, how do you approach valuation of these early stage companies? And, and what are you seeing now in the valuation landscape? That, that is a very, very good question. And I sh can imagine that, you know, for some of your customer base yourself, it's a very interesting concept because it's very difficult to value an early stage business. It doesn't really meet the traditional valuation methods that, you know, necessarily most of your customers or clients would look at a company, you know, when you're valued in a listed stock, you're looking at, you know, the number of shares times by the share price ultimately. But here, you know, that it's so judgmental and it's really based on the best estimate, which is subjective, because if you look at, you know, some current businesses, if you look at the multiples that are being applied at those businesses, you'd think that it's crazy. We look at the recent uh, acquisition of Afterpay by Square, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're looking at over a 23 <laughs> times enterprise value, which, uh, you know, <laughs> is very hard to justify from an investor perspective. But what you need to understand when you're working with earlier stage high growth companies is there's lots of different factors to consider, you know, is the company making revenue? Is it pre-revenue? Does it have global ability and ambition? Ultimately, you're investing in the founder and the team uh, as well. As an investor, you know, do you can, can the, the founding team deliver on the execution of that product? You know, does it have any customers? What equity percentage are you taking in the business? What does the roadmap to profitability look like? Who's the competition? How mature is the market? You know, even understanding the fundamental business model of that product. So there are so many subjective factors involved. It's very, very difficult. Uh, and every investor will have a different valuation as well. So there's no right or wrong answer, I would say. But it is working with that founder and that team to find a middle ground because obviously they need the capital to grow their business. But it's not just about the investment as well for early stage businesses. What's really important to early stage businesses as well is from an investor is also the value add an investor can bring. So can it bring networks? Can it bring some business knowledge? Can it bring mentorship to the founding team? All of that stuff is equally as important as potentially the money that the, the founder or the founding team are after. So, you know, if the investor can bring that, then maybe there's that that impacts the actual investment value for that investor. 
Uh, so yeah, there's 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 lots of <laughs> lots of dynamics involved. <laughs> lots of but things what, that don't have a necessary um, tangible number, <laughs> which is part of the challenge. Yeah. The upside. Right. Um, but, but what I would say, mm-hmm. what I would say is that the investment sector in Australia at the moment is very very hot in in this tech and startup sector. Mm. You know, in in 2020, you know, there was over 1.6 billion dollars of VC funding in this sector and you know in the last year there's been over 440 vc funds established in australia where wow. five, five years ago there was less than 100 so it just shows really the growth in this sector and you know that's now as i mentioned earlier just imagine what that would look like over the next five or ten years so if we think about that then in terms of the valuation are you seeing that put quite a bit of pressure on the prices that you're paying and and what the valuations are because i know in a listed space we always look at the next ipo and we think oh is it in a bubble is it gonna go down on the day but i mean if they're getting the valuations they are in the unlisted market it's only fair to think that it's probably going to push up our market what are you seeing there yeah, look, absolutely. P- potentially, I think there is that opportunity. But I think, you know, the high valuations on the unlisted market probably reflects more the risks profile as well. Yeah. You know, they are earlier stage. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these products are quite new. They're innovative. That they, they might be in new new sectors of technology. That They might be disrupting old technology. And so, you know, that's probably why there is that ability to command maybe a, a higher multiple or higher valuation. And then ultimately, you know, a lot of these business is their ultimate aim is some is an exit at some point so yes going down to that listed route is obviously one but the other um, is obviously through a acquisition and so obviously a lot of these larger listed companies are prime acquisition targets as we've seen in some of the cases over the last few weeks absolutely yeah. And I'm keen with from you, Brad. Look, you're also an entrepreneur in your own right, as long with um, giving advice and mentoring as, as part of uh, Tank Stream Labs. Having set up your yeah. own business, what are some of those common failures that you do see with early stage businesses on their growth journey and, and what perhaps we could watch out for? Sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a very good question because, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, working with hundreds of companies, I've seen not just successes, but I've also seen failures. And, you know, failures are, are not necessarily a bad thing because people learn from them. And actually a lot of the, a lot of founders and successful entrepreneurs have actually had many failures first before they actually are successful with, with the company that they are. But there are many, many failures and I've, I've probably seen them all. But I would probably say there's, there's three key areas where I, I see many businesses struggling. And one is obviously cash. Cash is king. And that's fundamental to a business. And what you you see a lot of the time is, you know, whether that's poor cash cash flow management or just no cash flow management at all. And businesses fail fail that way. They don't raise funding quick enough or they spend it too quick. The second one is the team and structure. So has the team been structured the right way? Are the right people hired for the right roles? And also, you know, depending on what stage the business is at, you know, whether it's early stage or whether it's in that later high growth stage, is the founding team still the right team to lead that business? And, you know, a lot of the time that's that's been a, a big issue where, you know, the founders potentially are not the right people uh, to, to lead that business because of the, the next level of skill sets that's required to grow that business. So that's the second area. And then the third area. Which I think is is really important is execution. So actually delivering that product or service. So ultimately, what's fundamental to a company is customers. And if you can't deliver the value, if you can't deliver a product or service in a way that's efficient but also desired by a customer, then you're not ultimately going to have a business. And that has been a failure for many businesses just executing and delivering that value to a customer. 
Fantastic. So we've got a couple of insights, a little bit of ideas about what's happening in your space at the moment. So Bradley Delamar, entrepreneur, investor, mentor, CEO to Tankstream Labs. I look forward to our next chat again in the near future. Thank you for being part of our Talking Tech series. Thank you very much for having me and enjoyed the conversation.